WBNE. Hello and welcome to episode 164, all about the Silmarillion, chapter 23 of Tuar and the Fall of Gondolin, being the 164th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. I've been experiencing the world of J.R.R. Tolkien for the first time, and right now I am reading The Silmarillion, so you don't have to. Today I'm joined once again by Dave and Johnny of the Melon Heads, or the Melon Heads. <laughs> Welcome back. Oh, thank you so much. And I love the pronunciation of Melon. Melon Heads. Melon. Yeah. I try and channel as much Gandalf as possible. Melon. Yeah. <laughs> we we kind of just call ourselves the melon heads, but we yeah. yeah. But uh, I like when people say, "Oh, you are the melon heads," so we're like, "Oh, yeah. that sounds that sounds really cool." I think yeah. Every time we're on a new show, everyone pronounces it differently. It's like the melon heads or the melon heads. And, yeah, I just love hearing different people's pronunciations of it. But um, also, did anyone else think that Gandalf just said "berlock" in the movie? Because I always thought it was like. I, I always thought it sounded. I always thought it sounded like it started with a B or something. He was yeah. like saying Bellon or Bellon. or something like. I, I thought I, he gets yeah. very intense with that pronunciation. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he tries to like use a a, a like dwarven accent or something. <laughs> I think it's like to open the door. It's one of the few times that Gandalf actually tries to enunciate in the movie, and nobody actually understood what he said. Everyone's <laughs> always like, "Oh, I always thought he said what? like like you, Dave, there, Belloc or something." It's like, yeah. So, um, Gandalf, you know, he's got a lot of tricks up his sleeve, but pronunciation and enunciation are not one of his two, uh, <laughs> one of his true stronger points. Riddles in the dark. Well, um, we were reminiscing a bit before we started recording because the last time you guys were on was for the one of the animated movies, mm. and so and now you're back for the Silmarillion, and I feel like those are two opposite. I've had I've had Different some worlds. guests who who were on for some of the Hobbit movies, yeah, and then they came on for the Silmarillion. These are all like such opposite ends of spectrum in terms of of Tolkien all good though yeah yes all all good and fun um what is y'all's I don't know experience with with reading the Silmarillion what was your first encounter with it Mm, heartache and uh lots of (laughs) troubling like rereading pages were you an adult when it happened were you a teenager because some some of the guests I've had on were like oh yeah I found Lord of the Rings when I was 11 and I was obsessed and then I read the Silmarillion and I was like I'm 27 oh, and right. I can wow. barely read this. So <laughs> uh, I think Dave and I both just read it for the first time, maybe like last year. Yeah. So uh, we definitely w- we weren't yeah <laughs> perusing the Silmarillion at the age of 12 or anything like that. Uh, so we got into Lord of the Rings uh, originally through the the movies by Peter Jackson, and we we loved those movies and we watched them for years and years. And then only probably a few years ago, five or six years ago, we started to go back and read the actual Lord of the Rings books. And then from there, we started to go into all of the other uh, Tolkien writings. But so I, I think we decided to tackle the Silmarillion. I believe it was maybe summer of last year. We said, okay, let's, the time has come. We should yeah. probably read this monster now. We actually both started, we kind of had a little book club to remember with some mm. of our friends. And we said we were going to start tackling some of Tolkien's uh, other books. And we, we started with the Children of Hurin. And yeah. so that was... That was the first one after the, you know, the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Uh, but that was the first 
tale of Tolkien that I'd heard, I suppose, before the Silmarillion. So Silmarillion was the next beast. Mm. And my God, it is some beast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this chapter... Nothing nothing bad happens in this chapter. I don't know what the title is talking about of Tuar and the Fall of Gondolin. <laughs> um, I've been kind of making fun of Tolkien for... Um, or actually, I don't know how Spoiling. much since this was... Uh, most of it was edited and put together um, after... Uh, after his death, I don't know how much um, he had to do with naming the chapters, but a lot of them like give away the main plot point that happens or are very it's like, well, obviously things like bad things are going to happen in the chapter of the ruin of Beleriand (laughs) and of the ruin of Doriath, you know, and I always thought that as well for the the or it's not the fellowship. It's the first chapter of the two towers. It's just called the departure of Baromir. And I was always like, where is he going? What's happening? Yeah, well, that one tricked me because, and remember, I I, I was going into everything pretty much blind. I had, it's so funny though, because I had watched Fellowship of the Ring. I had no memory that Boromir died, apparently. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but the departure of Boromir, I was just like, oh, he probably like does something stupid and breaks off from he the fellowship and goes in his own direction. <laughs> so I was the oh the the one that I was uh not not mad about, but just laughing about was one of the chapters in Return of the King is the Pyre of Denethor. And I was like, well, clearly yeah. something happens to him. Mm. The the Pyre, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to Google what that is. And you're like, oh, no. Oh, no, Denethor. <laughs> um, that being said, I don't think I would have ever predicted it happening in that fashion so mm, still a bit of mystery depressing. behind he was, he was it drama queen Denethor. yeah also of note for this chapter it's so much shorter than all the other chapters we've been reading i've been reading so far and i was i was just like so pleasantly surprised because usually when i sit down the first thing i do is i flip through to see how long it is like okay <laughs> is this is this something is this like a marathon and i need to pace myself do mm. i need to divide it up into you know do i need to read you know five pages at a time and i flipped and kept i expected for it to keep going and then it ended after like two flips of a of a page and i was like oh my gosh this is great <laughs> thank you Tolkien. yeah it's a clear sign that you're loving <laughs> yes. a book when you're like oh my god how much more of this chapter do i have left <laughs> yes <laughs> um so this chapter is about two r and uh it, it opens by saying so a, re- a reminder recap for everyone uh who and Hurin were brothers Hurin was the one who was captured by morgoth and his children were cursed and all of that really terrible awful awful things happened to turin and who died in the battle but before that happened um his wife was pregnant before he died and the son that was born was tuor and i was like please please just have him be a little bit better than his cousin yeah. Turin. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. At least don't let his story be as tragic as poor old Turin. Yeah. Which it's not. I don't think anyone's story is as tragic as Turin's but Oh my god, that one was rough. And he is I can't remember what it doesn't mention what happens to his mother. It just says that he is taken to be fostered by the Sindarian elves um away in a cave. 
Um, yeah, I think do his you mother, guys know? His mother just dies. dies. She dies of grief uh, after... Okay, I kind of assumed that that happened, but it doesn't mention, like, oh, and his mother died from grief or she sent him away to be, you know, yeah. safer over here. There is more information in, in other books. There is an actual full book on this chapter. Uh, There's a book called The Fall of uh, of Gondolin. So there is more information out there. But yeah, specifically in the Silmarillion, they kind of skip over a few of those parts as well. But yeah, so after uh, Hur dies, uh, she takes a tour to the, the Grey Elves and then she leaves and she goes to see where Hur had been buried. And then she just kind of falls down and dies from grief, which is <laughs> something that happens quite often in in, a, in Tolkien's nice. writings as well. Just like, oh, yeah. I can't go on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Dead. Yeah. <laughs> Very Shakespearean. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, here I am being like, please just let this go better than than to than Turin. And then it says that the the group of elves that he was with, they try and leave and go to a, a safer area of the land, and they are captured by orcs. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> yeah, yeah. And he is sixteen at this point. I think they they yeah they kill some of the 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 Easterlings and orcs. I think either capture or kill some of the elves that he's with, and Tuar is taken captive and enslaved. For three years, he is enslaved by them, and mm-hmm. then he escapes and returns to the the cave that he was brought up in, where he lives there alone for three years. But it does mention that he, in the manner that he escaped, he did such a great hurt to the Easterlings that Lorgan, the, the head of um, who was enslaving him, set a price upon his head. It's funny because I don't think that ever comes back into play in this chapter. <laughs> yeah, no. Does, just does it come back anywhere? Maybe in the the fall of Gondolin. I can't. I, I can't know. remember that specifically. But yeah, it's just I like that they're saying he just did some serious damage, and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's it. And then, that's I yeah, I was like, oh, like this Lorgan guy is gonna come back, and it's yeah. gonna. No, because we we see the rest of Tour's life play out in this chapter. So yeah, that yeah, never exactly. comes yeah. back. <laughs> we don't hear about Lorgan Paul again. So, yeah, <laughs> Lorgan. I'm so glad I'm not the only person who looked at that name and was like, "So Logan." Like, <laughs> <laughs> also, I love Tolkien's use of the word uh, thrall and thraldom, where he says that uh, he spent three years in the thraldom of uh, this this eastern which basically just captivity and. Uh, that when you are a slave, you are a thrall. So I'm like, oh, I want nice. to start start using that word more in the modern in modern times as well. <laughs> Tolkien really likes using those um, more like ancient words or or fancy words when a much simpler, more modern word <laughs> would also work. <laughs> yeah, like I think even in this chapter as well, he uses his sister's son instead of nephew, and he always has to like elongate a description of someone yes yeah i love i love those memes of you know that meme of drake where he's like looking away and then he's like saying like, yes this, no to yes. this one i guess you know it's like it says like something simple like you said there like nephew. my no. my nephew he's like no my sister's son and, yeah uh, yes. those memes are the best <laughs> yeah yeah tour decides that he is going to leave after a few years. actually no i don't think he doesn't decide to to leave on his own because olmo comes mm. into play um also, just going to edit myself. I think in a previous episode, I said 
I think I said Olway instead of Ol- when I meant Olmo. So nice. if anyone's listening to that episode and you're like, what is she talking about? <laughs> I was talking about Olmo. Anyway, Olmo um, I don't know why like that occurred to me as I was reading this chapter. I was like, huh, weird. I think I said Ol- I think I said Olway when I went Olmo. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> carrying on. <laughs> um. So Olmo comes. He's a big part in this chapter, which I was kind of like finally but also i was like can you just like come and and, like step on land and like do something like yourself rather than making everyone do it (laughs) yeah he's very often it says things like uh, it was put upon his heart by olmo yeah this says what actually set it into his heart there you go yeah exactly Um, yeah, he set it into his heart to depart from the land of his fathers, for he had chosen Tuar as the instrument of his designs. Um, yeah, a lot of people doing the bidding of Olmo or or listening or getting like a vague dream or vision or feeling or something. Yeah, very sneaky yeah. from Olmo. He's just like yeah. putting desires into people's hearts. He's like, do this. <laughs> I, I I don't want you to do this. You want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Next time it's I kind of like backseat driving this whole thing. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Next time I get a craving for something, like I just re I wake up and I'm like, I really want pancakes or something. But like almost, almost. telling me to have pancakes. Yeah. Almost. Yes. <laughs> Do it for Olmo. He leaves. Oh, he he comes into Nevrost, which has been made desolate by everything. Nevrost is also where uh Turgon's people were before Gondolin was made. And it's been completely abandoned and is desolate by war. One day he sees Seven swans a swimming. No, seven <laughs> swans flying in the air, and he's like, "Oh yeah, that's my sign to leave." Of course, it is. I don't know like what the significance of that is, but <laughs> it's seven o'clock. There's seven swans. I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, like swans. I don't know. I didn't even know that swans existed in this world. So, what do you actually think that, or is there an answer out there for what the seven swans represent? Because he. Tolkien doesn't specify there. He just says seven swans really twice out and then it was time to leave. But I, yeah, was, I was like, are swans some kind of maybe they're like a, a symbol in mythology for something, you know? Well, I um, I don't know, but I kind of thought that even though it's got nothing to do with tour, like he wouldn't know about Gondolin or well, he, he knows about Gondolin, but he doesn't know the ins and outs of it. I thought the seven swans could like represent the seven um, gates of Gondolin and just kind of that was a representation of where he was eventually going to end up. But that could know. be it. There's also is a lot of mention a, of seven. In, in isn't there an chapter. image of a swan on the shields that he finds as well? The shield that Turgon left for him. When, oh, is there? I think it says that it's a blue shield with an image of a swan. I'm Again, sure I don't know if that's in the Silmarillion or if that's in the, the other book. The problem is that, you know, the armor was made so many chapters ago, so it could have been mentioned there. Um, sorry, I was trying to look up this, but all that's coming, I like in my Google search, I just typed in the fall of Gondolin trying to find like a summary for this chapter. But of course, this is also a book. Mm. So whatever, I'll look that up yeah. later. I probably won't look it up later. <laughs> I'm Yeah, I, I'm, I'm reading it here now. And I'm, I'm just seeing that I don't think it actually mentions that in this chapter. It says that uh, he did it. He came was- a length to the deserted halls of Vinyamar beneath Mount Harris, and he entered in and found there the shield and hauberk and the sword and helm that Turgon had left there by command of Ulmo long before. 
and he arrayed himself in those arms. Uh, it doesn't say anything about the image, so I think that might, might be either made Turgon's... that up completely, or else I've seen I've seen that I've read that somewhere else. I've definitely seen images of that before, of like his mm. armor being blue with a swan. Um, yeah, but I I don't know where it's mentioned there, but that could be like a sigil for Turgon or some sort of yeah, like a yeah. There's definitely, there's probably some significance. I think anytime I have a question like that, I, 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 I generally think there's probably an answer, and I'm just not smart enough to know about that right now. And uh, <laughs> I, I always take it for granted that I just need to need to study more and need to learn more, rather than rather than there's no significance. Um. Okay. Let's see. There's an entry on Tolkien Gateway about swans specifically. Um, it says, uh. It just says they're they're an important bird. The swan was an important bird in the tales of the elder days. Ose sent many strong-winged swans to draw the ship ships of the Teleri over. Um, I mean, all the all those Teleri ships are designed to look like white swans. True. So, like at the, the yeah, the, the whole and then the it just says Olmo sent the seven seven great swans to guide Tour. So where Ooh. he found. Oh, you were correct. Where he found a shield which had an emblem of a white swan's uh, wing. I knew it. <laughs> so there you go. Did he find seven shields? I was very confident. <laughs> also, I'm just when you just said there the, the the great swans. I'm just wondering. I wonder if the great swans were like the great eagles that they were just yes. enormous giant swans. So that would be giant. Class. And they yeah. Talk as well. <laughs> Do they talk? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so like uh, Manwe has the eagles and Olmo just has the swans and uh, maybe the most each, useless things. Maybe to each send. Vala has just like his own different a animal. A giant or, bird. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Arome yeah. has like the penguins. <laughs> a parakeet. Yeah. Or something <laughs> oh my god a giant penguin would be terrifying <laughs> oh my god i think that would be and the also most really useless because penguins can't fly yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they just like landed on their bellies and glided they just waddle around yeah. <laughs> um so yes like we said these swans guide him to finding this armor that turgon when he was constructing gondolin was instructed by Ulma to create this set of armor and that one day a warrior would find it and that he would bring an important message and he would know that this is the 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 warrior because he had that armor. So he takes the armor and Ulmo, again, yeah, Ulmo bade him depart from that place and seek out the hidden kingdom of Gondolin. And he gave Tuar a great cloak to mantle him in shadow from the eyes of his enemies. So yeah, once again, Ulmo taking the, the back seat here and guiding him to do his bidding. <laughs> but this but this is actually the time that he uh, he came before Tour, though. That, that it, we actually... He appears. Uh, he appears to Tour and he actually has oh, a conversation. Oh, it does say that, and, yes. And, and he, give, he gives him the cloak so it's not just a sneaky kind of whisper in his ear or something like that uh, and i think this is the only time that a man has ever encountered a vala as well so i think it's kind of oh a, kind yeah of an, good a, point moment. Mm, nice he starts you know following this vague direction that olmo is sending him in and he runs into varonwe varonwe was the one mariner at the end of the the fifth battle, a bunch of um, elves were were see- seeking refuge in ships and boats in the sea, and a storm destroyed pretty much all of them. But Olmo saved this one mariner, 
and brought him safely back to shore. And so when he runs into Tuar, and Tuar is saying, I'm being sent as a messenger of Olmo, uh, Varanwe is like, oh, cool, I know that guy. He saved my life. <laughs> he specifically saved me just so I could bump into you. And do his yes. <laughs> another guy yes. to do it in, in one of those moments where when you're reading several chapters ago about like it's like three paragraphs describing these storms and and whatnot and then like this one mariner is saved and it's like okay and like what's the point of this <laughs> yeah. guy and then it comes back into the into play here they're both like oh cool we're we're you know almost doing these this cool stuff in our lives let's go on a adventure together they're like the best buds <laughs> yes <laughs> um and so he brings uh, to our into Gondolin. Oh, but oh. on their way. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, this is cool part. <laughs> um, on their way, they are passing by the pools of Ivrin, and they see the destruction that's being uh wrought there by Glaurung. Who, because keep in mind, everything that's happening in this chapter is also happening parallel to what was going on in Turin's chapter, and so at this point, Glaurung is still alive. And they pass by a man who, uh, he, uh, a tall man clad in black and bearing a black sword. They knew not who he was, nor anything what, nor anything of what had befallen in the south. And he passed them by, and they said no word. That's so. So dope. I love that little cameo. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. obviously it's as fast. soon as it said black armor, I was like, oh, that's Turin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. it's it's cool. It's like something that you would see in. It's kind of like something that you would see in the Hobbit movies after the Lord of the Rings movies came out, where it's just like there's a little cameo somewhere that's in the distance, and we don't speak of him, um, and it just happens. And I wouldn't imagine Tolkien to actually do that. Put like another character in his book, and as well, they're cousins. They don't even. They don't yeah, they even don't know even. Each other. Yeah, these are cousins, and it's for me. It's really sad because their fathers were so close. Yeah, and then yeah. here their children are don't even know about the existence of the other, and they pass by and don't even say anything to each other. So that's just another tragedy, oh, I think, in both yeah. of their lives. Yeah, sad. I hadn't thought about that. How the the yeah, the fathers were so close, and then these guys don't even know each other at all. Oh. Yeah, like imagine have yeah having children and your children don't even know each other. That's very sad so here here i am bringing down the mood yeah. <laughs> i think tour is no, like under a spell at this point as well so i wonder if they were to even interact would he have just like killed him <laughs> yeah he's always accidentally you know killing what? a lot of people you know what? So. it's probably better for tour yeah. that he did not meet Turin. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't get in Turin's way. Yeah, don't yes. get in his way. We didn't want to add another like awful part to Turin's story where he accidentally snaps out of his coma and kills his cousin and goes, what have I done? Yeah. Yes. Not not again. So <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe this happened the second time. <laughs> Crazy. They make it to Gondolin and trumpets herald them in and Turgon is uh, excited to welcome him because he's been, you know, he's been sent by Olmo and he's wearing this special armor. So he knows that this is, you know, this is an important dude. However, <laughs> Tuar gives word to Turgon that now is that like now is the time he says the curse of Mandos has now hastened to its fulfillment. Um, when all the works of the Noldor should perish. And he bade him depart and abandon the fair and mighty city that he had built and go down to Sirion to the sea. 
and he reminds him of what Olmo spoke to him earlier. Um, I say earlier like it was yesterday. <laughs> At this point, it was hundreds of years ago. Yeah. And he said, love not too well the work of thy hands and the devices of thy heart. And remember that the true hope of the Noldor lieth in the west and cometh from the sea. But Turgon was become proud, and he trusted still in his secret and impregnable strength of Gondolin, and he decides to not listen to Tuar and therefore not listen to Olmo, which I was like, you're ignoring the advice of a of a god? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. maybe let's not do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that was that, that was a poor move from Turgon. Now, um, in fairness, but like he did, <laughs> he did have a uh, great faith in the city. So I don't know. It's kind of like, do you want to abandon the city because some guy or some god told this random guy here? Um, I don't know. But he's not random. That's the whole point, though, is that he yeah. he was like specifically chosen by the fates or or whatever you want to call it. You know? Yeah. He also like had Maglin like whispering in his ear to like to stay and to ignore Tour and stuff. Oh, so. Maeglin. Yeah, I think Maeglin, yes, he was like... Yes, it says, Maeglin spoke ever against Tour in the councils of the king, and his words seemed the more weighty in that they went with Turgon's heart. And at the last, he rejected the bidding of Olmo and refused his counsel. Mm. I think that um, Turgon wasn't really trying to listen to advice. He was getting similar advice from Maeglin. He was basically getting told what he wanted to hear by Maeglin. And yes. he, and yeah, he's just like, yeah, I'm gonna go with that. Um, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like when you're, yeah, you're having a personal um, dilemma, and or or you're Google searching to try and find, like, I don't know, maybe you you find, I don't know, a spot on your arm, and you're like, oh my god, what is this? And you frantically Google search <laughs> yeah. it just to find like one thing on the internet that'll be like, no, you're probably fine, and yeah. you're like, okay, good. So, oh, in yeah, my case, always... it's like, I think I'm dying and I have a Google search and then I decide, yes, I'm definitely dying. Yes, I'm definitely it. dying. <laughs> but you know when you're like, you flip a coin to make a decision and then if you don't like the decision of the coin, you're like, let me flip it again. <laughs> Meglin, yeah, Meglin like... is like his already decided decision. So, yes, yeah. yeah. So yeah you're Meg... like, you know what? That was that was a test flip. Let, <laughs> yeah. me, let me do it again. <laughs> so Meglin was like whispering in his ear, like what he wanted to hear. But ultimately, it's Turgon's fault for oh, know, yeah. making that decision. So, uh, yes, I think none of yeah. us really like like Meglin that much. But um no. It, this, at this point, I don't think it's completely his fault. At yes. this point, yeah, no. Leading up to this, obviously, because, again, because the title of the chapter says The Fall of Gondolin, um, I, and, you know, I was, like, planning ahead and writing things that, you know, scheduling things out on my calendar. I obviously knew, before before I even knew what Gondolin was, I knew it was going to fall. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Gondolin, <and> so, who's that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so this whole time, I've been thinking oh, there's going to be some great epic battle and like Gondolin is going to fall because it's outside of the control of Turgon. Like something happens against him that that causes it it to fail. And here it is where, no, this is actually really Turgon's fault. So, like this was mm. completely, again, going going back to like what I, I kept saying while reading Turin's chapter where a lot of what happened to him was because he, he like he could have made like he made deliberate choices oh, to make yeah. his life worse oh 100 percent, yeah uh, and so this this is very much that that same where like they have 
a more active role in their own Downfall. destruction and yeah. ruin. There's a lot of that in the Silmarillion as well, though. It's like especially like the, the Sons of Feanor and all that kind of thing, where they, you know, they, they kind of they they're almost they know it's a bad decision what they're going to do, but they're like we are bound to this decision because of the oath that we made, and so we, we they were like, look, what's the possible outcome? It's going to be terrible, and they were like, yeah, but we kind of have to because we said we would, and so. Can't maybe go back in word now. Yeah, they're bound to it because of the oath, but then also maybe in in uh, Turin's case, a lot of times it was like for honor and things like that. That he was like, I have to make this decision, even though it was obviously the bad or the the, the worst decision. But yeah, in Turgon's a, a case, lot of that. he's just way too comfy in his love. Turgon's and I was gonna cities. say, yeah, yeah, in in a lot of those cases, I feel like they are aware that they're making the bad decision. Yeah. With Turgon, he is just way too yeah. arrogant in in the strength of his city and the secrecy yeah he does at least collapse like the one entry into the city um and he's like there now we're cut off from the outside world completely and we're all safe the end you know (laughs) like no one speak to to me of this again yeah I, I like. I mean, well, you're saying that almost like it's a positive like oh he was really smart and wise to do this but I think that sounds like terrible like to have yeah. a, a oh, dictator yeah. is just like okay nobody's leaving you're all staying yeah we're all trapped and, in here yeah. for the rest of our lives <laughs> <laughs> and yeah so as i was saying before with like the other cases of maybe the sons of fan or, or with turin sometimes you could actually understand the reason that they took those those decisions but in this case you're just kind of going like you just said uh turgon's just way too uh too prideful and mm-hmm. he yeah he just it was like oh well even if a god just tells me that i should do this i think that my city is just strong enough to to withstand whatever so yeah it's definitely just a really really crap decision from Turgon, basically <laughs> yes <laughs> the understatement of the, the end <laughs> <laughs> tour again because all because the entrance is closed off tour is now stuck in gondolin for the rest of his life um which is you know isn't a bad thing because it's a pretty cool city yeah while he's there he falls in love with Turgon's daughter, Idril, they get married and fall in love. However, Maeglin's secret hatred grew ever greater, for he desired above all things to possess her. Gross. Yeah, more incest. (laughs) And that's, yeah, his Um, cousin. Yes, yeah, because, yeah, reminder, they're cousins. It's not as bad as... Turin and Neonor, but <laughs> it's like one degree. It's like one step down, I guess. Poor I don't know. Um, but again, like that was again, that was more kind of accidental, and you know they didn't know what was going on. Here, he he's he's fully aware he's, who yeah. this person is. He's like, I want her. <laughs> so yes, yeah, it's pretty gross. In his chapter, I remember just being super unsure of him, being like, I don't know if this if he's supposed to be good or bad because he was in that chapter he was very young and the quote-unquote bad guy of his chapter was his father ale and you know he is you know thrown off the cliff and and Maeglin chooses to stay in gondolin and he brings his mother back to her her homeland so well i guess their homeland is <laughs> over the sea but you know what i mean and so i was like i guess he's he's okay i don't know like i, I was like i'm keeping my eye on you and then uh, in other chapters, there would be mentions like bre- it would be like one sentence every now and then where it would be like, and Maeglin stood by and heard what was said, but said nothing himself. And it's like, <laughs> OK, so something's 
something's going on here. But this is definitely solidifying. Okay, not not a cool dude. Not not great. No, no. no. And it gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> they get married. Everyone is is super happy. I just imagine the wedding. Like everyone, you know. I mean, like at the end of Lord of the Rings, and like flowers are being thrown around, and then just in the in the corner at like the wedding reception is Maeglin yeah. in like a dark dressed <laughs> in black, like yeah, kind of like, yes. yeah, kinda like that scene in in Return of the King where Denethor is like looking out the window and he's just scowling at everyone, like everyone's yes. like, "Yay, Gandalf!" <laughs> but the beacons are lit, and Denethor is just like. Damn. Yeah, you, yeah. You, know, you know, Jennifer in that moment was still just thinking, Faramir. <laughs> He's like, I don't know Faramir how, but I'm going to blame this on Faramir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so they, Tuor and Idril have a son whose name Ooh. I know the, the pronunciation has a lot of. Oh, yeah. Recently. I don't know. Controversy. Like a lot of. Uh, like to the point where I'm afraid to say it, but I'm just gonna say Aaron Deal. Okay, yeah, I think like does that does that sound did, good? Did you, did, <laughs> How do y'all say it? I would say Aaron Deal. Um, yeah, Aaron Deal. I think. But I'm sure. Did you guys see uh, Steve Colbert's pronunciation? Yes. So yeah. No, I didn't know. Oh well, he. He, he yeah he was at the comic-con thing and while they were waiting to bring out some of the cast he was like asking some questions and uh one of the things he brought up was like so how do you pronounce elrond's dad's name and someone from the crowd shouted out arndil and he goes so that Rah! person was actually wizard waycris yes. on tiktok and they are a self-described uh, like, it's like Tolkien's resident uh, I mean TikTok's resident elf boy. Yeah. And they know everything there is to know about the elves. They're and, like a pronunciation a guru like, and everything. Yes, oh, really? yeah, being like yeah. I have beef with you. And so and a lot of people since watch whatever Colbert said, a lot of people were like that's completely wrong. Yeah, cuz so he, he, Col- he, he, well, he how did he pronounce it? He said like a Arendale or something like that because because of the because of the two dots. Well, no, age. because of the rhythm of the poem that it's using, or there is a song. I can't remember how the song goes, but he kind of recites it a bit, and he goes, da da and da da da," and he he was just kind of talking about the rhythm of the poem, how it should be pronounced, or the rhythm of the song. Um, hmm. So yeah, it is interesting, but there's there is. But you know, in like in 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 poems and in music, very often you will pronounce a word in a different way just so that it it fits in with the with the rhythm of the of the poem or with the song yeah. so yeah. i don't think music should be taken to to be like oh this must be the correct pronunciation i don't know uh, it, it was just so <laughs> controversial because he called out a question and then a fan answered and then he just goes wrong, wrong. in front of everyone and yeah yeah, uh, yeah. well Stephen gobert just likes to be dramatic as well and That's you know true. He's, it, 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 you know he's he's uh, at heart he's a comedian so it's probably just doing it for a comedic effect so yeah. I wouldn't take it too seriously. But I, I and again, Dave and I, neither of us are scholars in pronunciation, but I would have always pronounced it as Arendil. Um but yeah, I don't know. I like I like hearing Air- different people's pronunciations. Arendil, yeah. Arendil. 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 Okay. I'm still probably never gonna say it that way. Just ah, because <laughs> I think I say names differently. What do you say? Arendil? Uh, well, this is the, the I think this is this is the first time I've said this name out loud is on this podcast. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> Just call him Robert. Um, but like I, um, so example with Meglin, I I think it's supposed to be. We looked up in the the guest I had on for that chapter. We looked up the pronunciation at the end of the book, mm-hmm. in the um 
not thesaurus, I don't know, index or whatever you want to call it. Um, And I think it's supposed to be like Maeglin, but the whole chapter we just kept being like Maeglin, 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 and then at one (laughs) point we were like Maggie. Maggie. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it would come to it. (laughs) So I also could not for the life of me get down a pronunciation for Finduilas. I think I said that correctly now. But in the the episode, I was like, <laughs> like, like I couldn't Fingerous. remember it. And so I just started saying Fendi. And so I just don't waste too much time on these pronunciations. I wouldn't anymore. worry about it. Fin-dolphin. I wouldn't worry about it. And I'll, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, I, like, I like coming up with the nicknames as well. They sound like you're, you know these characters even better. Like Fendi. Fendi and Maggie. Yeah. Fendi and Maggie. Yeah. Fendi and Maggie. <laughs> Actually, when you, yeah. when you said Idril. Uh, the way you pronounce it, maybe I just haven't said it out loud too many times, but it sounded like Idriel, which is, I'm pretty sure that's the name of the, the made-up elf in the Lord of the Rings game, The Third Age. Have you? I don't know if you've ever played Ooh. that Mary Clay, but there's like... What are the the guy's name? There's yeah, like because Benethor or something like that. No, um, no, but but yeah, because I remember her name was basically like Galadriel, but like the first half of Galadriel's name Galad was, out. was just taken I'm out. Yeah. Sure it's Idriel, Idriel, <laughs> yeah. and. Barathor? Benathor? Ah, who knows? These all, it's so funny because these all sound like... Generic, made-up names. (laughs) Like if someone was like, yeah, how do we make sure people know this is Lord of the Rings, but we also don't like... Want to get sued. uh, Yeah. Yeah, I think think they actually only had the rights to the the film production, or they only had the rights to whatever, was it Warner, not Warner Brothers, um, uh, whoever made the Lord of the Rings movies, and they weren't allowed to like get any names from the Silmarillion or any other yeah. book. So they had to come up with funny names. New line. New line. New line cinema. Yeah. New line, that's it, yeah. I think uh, Elagost was another one. He was the ranger. Anyways. Mm, good memory, Dave. Yeah. We digress. <laughs> but you basically could just take the first syllable of anyone's name in the Lord of the Rings and like take the second syllable of another person's name and join them together. Just, like, just, ma- just like Scrabble, yeah, let's mix grab and the match first them. Yeah. Beginning of Meglin and take the second part of Gandalf and we've got Megdalf. Ma- Meg you're like, all right. <laughs> Great. That's, that's a it's a wizard character. elf. <laughs> um... Where were we? Oh, yeah. Erendil. That's how we got. Erendil. <laughs> so yeah. Erendil has been born. Um, also, this is extremely important because Tuor and Idril are the second instance of elf and man in a union. The first, obviously, being Baron and Luthien. We know them. Ugh, old mm. news. <laughs> yeah. So moved on, guys. Erendil is very special. A very special boy. It says, for a light was in his face as the light of heaven. And he is, but, um, so he has the, be- the beauty of elves, but the hardiness of men. So in those days, Gondolin was full of joy and peace. But Idril, it says, was wise and far-seeing, and so she knows that some something else is coming. She just knows something's going to happen. So she starts preparing a secret passageway um, out out of the city. And I originally, when I first read that, I was like, I don't. This is either going to be a an extremely smart decision, or B, extremely dumb, and this is how the bad guys are going to get into Gondolin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I wasn't sure at first. And she doesn't tell, only if very few people know about it, Maeglin does not know about it. Yeah. Meanwhile, Maeglin goes out mining in the mountains nearby, which has been forbidden by Turgon. But he's like, screw you, I do what I want. I'm yeah. Maeglin. 
Yeah, he's, <laughs> so, just, he's just being a bold child going out. Yes. Disobeying orders. He goes out and one day he gets captured by orcs. How did he get out though? Ah, there's got to be some secret passageway. It's kind of like that secret passageway at Helm's Deep where they sneak out the side door, you know? Yeah, caves. There must and be must be something. Tunnels or something. And like, also, like if they're mining, that they're also chipping away at stuff in the caves and and whatnot in the mountains. So they could easily be like like accidentally knocked down a wall, and it's like, hey, boss, yeah. Yeah. I found another. <laughs> there's a room back here or something, you know. I just feel like Turgon just did a really bad job of trying to keep everybody in the city. Where Idril's there, like getting the whole construction crew to come in and build this. Like, yeah, like how out. good and a king is he? If Meg he's just like, like, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on a mining trip. I'm gonna go fishing and stuff. <laughs> and uh, like just. Like, it didn't seem like it was that difficult to actually uh, to get out of the city in the end. But um, Well, that's what happens yeah. when you enforce uh, a lockdown and everyone yeah, for, really for like rules, seven yeah. years and people are like, oh, I want to get out and do stuff. Yeah. We've all experienced it. Was like the, it. <laughs> it was the. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We only. Yeah. We were only doing that for like, I, f- I feel like a few months before we were all losing it. Yeah. So. So like, yeah. what was this? Like so, seven years of a lockdown, I think it was. Maybe. Maybe on the outskirts of Gondolin, there was just like bootleg mining sections and like bootleg uh, any yeah. anything that, anything that you were into that was outside the city. They had that little like set up thing illegally there, all paid in cash. Uh, yeah, and you like know, off in parentheses, like don't tell Turgon. Yeah. <laughs> he is captured by orcs, and so it says Maglin was no weakling or craven, but the torment wherewith he was threatened cowed his spirit. And he purchased his life and freedom by revealing to Morgoth the very place of Gondolin and the ways whereby it might be found and assailed. Mm, sneaky. Maglin, you piece of... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, the, the best part of that sentence is where he, he's tortured. I'm like, yeah, well, he was tortured, but he deserved it. Like, he didn't even yeah. need to be tortured. He could have just given feel, up the information. I feel like, for me, when, when I first read that, I thought I thought that maybe it wasn't so much his fault because he obviously, it says like that, you know, he was no weakling or craven, but the torment wherewith he was threatened uh, uh, cowed his spirit. Um, I mean, it seems like, you know, he was tortured to a point where he had to give up that information and maybe you're saying, okay, I, I understand. But the, for me, the worst part is that, you know, what comes next where he just... He goes back to Gondolin, yeah, and, and then he's just like, yeah, and he, he yeah. doesn't like as in he doesn't like for a while think, oh, I'm I'm free now. Now I could actually reveal to I'm gonna to, go to, home and warn everyone, and maybe yeah, we yeah. can prepare. Yeah, I think yeah, for like I mean, it's uh, it's 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 one thing to just give up the information of where the city is. Uh, it's a second thing to actually you know just become completely evil and go through with a plan that you're you're in it with uh with morgoth and uh yeah i think there's i don't know as i was saying just when i first read that sentence i thought oh you know it's not really his fault i mean Mm. it's torment from morgoth it's got to be pretty bad um but yeah he's definitely he's just a big dick (laughs) well i don't even think he was tortured though because it says the torment wherewith he was threatened so I think they captured him and they said we're going they were to like tickle. we're gonna we're gonna pull your toes off and yeah, yeah. like rip your ears off your body and then eat them and then And then straight away he's you, like, It's over there, it's down there. And then make <laughs> oh, you watch yeah. all eight hours of a Ken Burns documentary, you know? <laughs> and then he was like, Okay, you got me. Yeah. yeah. So I don't even think he was tortured. I think he was just threatened and he was like, All right. 
Oh, that's much worse. Okay. And I mean, yeah. there's, so, <laughs> there's so many examples of people being tortured and not giving up information. Yeah. Um, also, I, I think I forgot to mention that at this point, bef- or before now, Morgoth had learned the general location of Gondolin because when he let Huron go, he stood, Huron stood outside where he thought Gondolin was and was crying for Turgon to let him in, and Morgoth's spies spies heard him. Mm. So he knew the general location this whole time, but now he's learned. It's not even like, oh, I'll tell you where it is. He also says the paths where, uh, the ways whereby it might be found and assailed. So he's like, oh yeah, if you go in this direction, you can take them from, you know, this kind of battle tactic or or whatever. He helped him plan the siege, basically. Yeah. Then it it also gets it continues to get worse because he pro- so he promises Morgoth the lordship of Gondolin and oh Mag- sorry. Maglin. Yeah. Rewind. To Maglin, Morgoth promised the lordship of Gondolin and the possess- possession of Idril. And indeed desire for Idril and hatred for Tuar led Maglin the easier to his treachery. Mm. So that just adds like an extra layer of, of terribleness to all of this that Morgoth is like, oh, if you help me, I'll let you have this girl that you've been obsessed with, who is also your cousin. <laughs> Morgoth yeah. loved that. He's like, oh, it's your cousin. Oh, yeah, of course. You Great. Over. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Now- <laughs> Matchmaker Morgoth over here. <laughs> I think I think the use of the word possession as well just makes, yeah. you, but it just makes you hate it even more. You're like, ugh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's not even like I, I allow this marriage. It's like you can own her and you can... Yeah, whatever. It's pretty gross. Yeah. In order to not arouse any suspicion, Morgoth sends Maeglin back and instructs him to act normally. And so he goes back and he abode in the halls of the king with smiling face and evil in his heart while the darkness gathered ever deeper upon Idril. Oh, Maeglin. So again, he's just sitting there like brooding in the corner and everyone's... going about their lives this is fine (laughs) like yeah that for me that for me is the worst that he's actually back in a safe a safe place and he doesn't at any point think wait a minute i'm no longer in the torment of morgoth i can now actually oh and it also says that he's sent back so that he should aid the assault from within so he's Mm. not only not telling them what's happening but he is going to be an active participant once it starts and he is going to attack against his people too yeah no it's shocking it's kind of like the the siege of troy or something he's just completely letting them all down and and basically um yeah (laughs) he's not warning them and it it is horrible because he's got so much time i think it's a whole year that passes in between his return and the the battle he could have easily gotten everyone out of the city um and just just for a little bit of incest that's the only thing that's yeah just a little bit (laughs) a little bit of incest a small bit the the day comes where morgoth comes to attack gondolin and he sends out the, you know the the usual yeah. balrogs orcs wolves dragons <laughs> yeah and obviously chaos erupts also they pl- they planned it during the like big uh, festivities that were going on there was like some yeah yeah so they, everyone they knew was that the, 
they knew that the defenses will be down as well. Yeah. Yeah, and also I think it it that it, it says that everyone would be standing upon the walls of the city to watch the rising sun. So it's not even like oh everyone's in their houses asleep. So if you like hear that first sign of attack, maybe you can like take refuge somehow or barricade your house. They're all out in the open. Yeah. The attack is going on. Um Maglin Grabs Idril and Erendil at one point, but Tuar fought Maeglin on the walls and cast him far out, and his body and his body as it fell smote the rocky slopes of Aman Gwareth thrice ere it pitched into the flames below. Nice. Just like his daddy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right, because I think sorry, I need to flip back to um, Maeglin, that that chapter, because I'm pretty sure that Aeol says, like, this is how you're also going to go out, son. Oh, really? It's like a prophecy. Yeah, when Aeol was killed, he says, so you forsake your father and his kin, ill-gotten son. Here shall you fail of all your hopes, and here may you yet die the same death as I. <laughs> If I was told that, I would just never return to that part never, of the castle. Yeah, never go wall. near that. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> just a big X on that piece of the wall. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'd be like, away. nope, not going there. Yeah, and of course, then Tour arrives and he's like, oh, God, it has to be here. Can we just uh, battle downstairs? <laughs> yeah, it's like, can we pause for yeah, a minute and just like go like 10 feet over there? Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Maglin's dead. Yay! He got what he deserved. Poor guy. Idril is, meanwhile, trying to gather as many people as she can and take them into this secret passageway that, again, Maglin knew nothing about and therefore Morgoth knows nothing about. So they take who they can from the city and lead them out and into supposed safety, but they're... Is there no other way? (laughs) (laughs) But they are met by Balrogs, where this infamous battle happens between Glorfindel and... Oh, it just says the Balrog. It doesn't say which one. Uh, I thought the Balrog also had a name. Um, But yeah, Glorfindel, chief of the house of the Golden Flower of Gondolin. And I think this is the first time that he's been mentioned in the Silmarillion. And I bring this up because literally since I read... Fellowship of the Ring for the first time, and obviously Glorfindel doesn't appear in the movies. I've just been hearing from the fandom so much about like, oh, he's the coolest dude. He had this battle, like he had this really intense battle with the Balrog, and he like he defeated a Balrog, and I was like, okay, cool, that's a cool guy. So it was just like interesting that now, like three years later, I'm like yeah. reading that battle. <laughs> but then again, it, like that amazing battle takes place over half a sentence and it's like and they yeah. fought uh, he fought with a balrog and they both slew each other or whatever yeah it says many are the songs that have been sung of the duel of glorfindel with the balrog upon a pinnacle of rock in that high place mm. and like that i guess that's supposed to show you like this is how epic it was that there are a lot of songs written about it but i'm not going to tell you what those songs say like i'm just going to tell <laughs> yeah. you it was like just trust me <laughs> it was yeah. pretty cool there battle. were songs you had to be good. there <laughs> yeah and they both fall over the edge and the eagles swoop in and save Glorfindel, but he dies and they bury him. And I'm confused because Glorfindel is alive in Lord of the Rings. So... Well, he dies there and 
the Tarandir, the eagle, takes his body and and buries him. But uh, I don't know. I don't want to spoil anything. Okay. All right. Cool. Then don't spoil. Yeah. I I guess I'll (laughs) discover it later. But I was just like, wait a minute. (laughs) Just remember that when the elves, when they if they die, their spirit returns. That's right. They go back to yeah the halls of Mandis. Um, or. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, I've, of, <laughs> I'm constantly second guessing the the Valar. I'm like, did I say the right one? The I halls don't of know. Mandy. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> also, I believe I believe one of the we you were saying that uh, it just said the Balrog. It didn't say his name. I think they mentioned the name of the other Balrog who. Uh, oh, Gothmog. Is, yeah. Have, have we have we passed that? Where? Yeah, that was before. Oh, yeah. So Ecthelion Oh yeah, and two Gothmog. or in Gondolin. Yeah, it, while when they're still in Gondolin. Yeah, this we're, battle. So what Tur- Turgon gets killed by um no um, Gothmog. E- Ecthelion and Gothmog are battling each other in I think it's like in a courtyard and basically they both slew each other in the words of Tolkien. Um I think Turgon just dies in his in his tower. Oh yeah, it says um I don't really understand that line how Turgon died. Did he die in his yeah, tower it says, or of did the, the defense tower of the fall? tower of Turgon by the people of his household until the tower was overthrown? And mighty was its fall and the fall of Turgon in its ruin. Yeah, so um, I kind of feel like that's how Which Jamie that kind of makes me died. mad <laughs> that like we don't we don't get to see one, we don't get to see Turgon's death. Um he was a very important character. He's like one of the like aside from the sons of Feanor, he's like the last and Galadriel. He's like the last of the these other elves of the the Noldor who came over here and he created Gondolin. So he's a very important character and we don't see his death. Um, which I guess makes sense because if you're thinking about the Silmarillion and that it's told like from the perspective of it's not like an omniscient narrator, it's elves telling this story. So it would make sense that we don't know much about how he died because only the people who escaped Gondolin would be able to tell what happened. And I'm assuming the people who were around Turgon also would have died. So mm. there's no way that we would know yeah. from their accounts. That's a good point, yeah. It's almost like tragic irony as well, how Turgon is the reason that they all stayed in Gondolin and Gondolin ended up being his downfall. So it was. I, I still don't understand how he dies. It, it, does the tower fall on him or something? But it's basically like- the, I know, I was like, is this like a him. literal fall of the tower of Turgon? Yeah. Or is it so it's, it's kind of like the actual city of Gondolin <laughs> kills Turgon, which is- the reason I why think, all these yeah, die, I like so. that idea. So. And also, I don't like that we don't get to see Turgon's reaction when they are being attacked. That we don't have this moment of Turgon True, realizing, yeah. "Oh, I messed up. Yeah. <laughs> I did not make Turgon's a good decision." Yes, or like I would have loved to have a moment to see everyone realize that Maeglin is the one who who betrayed <laughs> them or for Turgon to find that out. Um, I'm assuming that Tuar maybe puts two and two together when Maeglin starts attacking his wife and daughter and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and son. And son yeah. yeah, there's like a lot of moments that we don't see. Yeah, there's probably more information in the, the Fall of Gondolin. But that's true. Yeah, I forget. I'm yeah. reading the abridged version. <laughs> the, yeah, I think when when Meglin comes back and he spends whatever mm-hmm. length of time a year or so 
and it says in this that he just you know he was smiling but with evil in his heart i think it says as well in the in the other book that they noticed a change in his character especially idril she was like something's like, happened to that you're guy. too you're in too good of a mood yeah. right now yeah <laughs> like yeah. what's going on you've got a creepy smile on your face all yeah, the time I don't like well, it. what's going on <laughs> better speed up the construction of that secret passageway <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. tour and israel and the rest of the people that they have rescued from gondolin they they escape and they eventually run into i think they make it yeah they make it into nevrost and they run into Elwing and the people that had fled Doriath, which I can imagine it's like they run into each other and they're like, oh my God, you're all like your your city also got ransacked <laughs> ours too. <laughs> Let's be friends. Oh, that reminds me. I want to mention, um, sorry, flipping back to when Turgon first decides to shut off Gondolin from the rest of the world, it, it says that the eagles are bringing them message of what's going on, and he is aware of, of everything. He's aware of Nargothron falling, he's aware yeah. of Thingol dying, and the ruin of Doriath, but he is just actively, like, kind of like, ig- like he is choosing to be ignorant to it yeah. all, and he's like, I'm just going to pretend it doesn't, it's not happening, and I'm not going to do anything about it. Any, anything outside of Gondolin is just nothing to him at this point. Yeah. He's just, he, yeah. Only, he only concerns what happens in his city. Uh, yeah. In his little so lockdown. they um, run into the group that has fled Doriath. And this is Elwing, Dior's daughter. And remember that Dior is the son of Baron ben and, and Luthien. Um, and Elwing fled with the Silmaril. So the group that they run into has, it doesn't mention it. I mean, I don't think, yeah, it doesn't mention it here, but just like a reminder for everyone that this group, like this is where, like, are we, like, where's, you know, it's like a game of hot potato. Like, where is it? The Silmaril is now um, with this group. You're right that they don't mention that she has it in that moment, but they, they there is one mention of the Silmaril where it says that something like Morgoth, I thought it was basically worth it to lose the Silmaril yeah. uh, to, to, you know, to, to have the destruction of this city. So whereas, it, it uh, says that Morgoth is, I don't know what the exact line is, but he's happy. He's, yeah, he's I'm just like, and the old Fenor or the lost Silmaril don't concern him. It says regretting not the one Silmaril that he had lost for by it as he deemed the last shred of the people of the Eldar should vanish from Middle Earth and trouble it no more. So he's kind of saying like, yeah, that's I've, I've lost a Silmaril but I've accomplished this, so it says, yeah, um, regretting not the the summer that he lost. So, um, yeah, but it, it it's interesting that they don't actually specify that it's with Elwing in that in that moment. I suppose mm-hmm. maybe trying to I don't know keep it a secret from us for a minute. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I didn't forget. <laughs> I, this is like the one detail I remembered. <laughs> Gondolin down, Doriath down, Nargathron down, Turgon dead <laughs> um and it mentions that his son um oh wait no fingon's son gilgalad is named high king of the noldor and i'm like what's the point <laughs> like, yeah. they're all yeah, <laughs> pretty much true. dead at this point <laughs> you know does it say there specifically that he's the last high king of the noldor because it's kind of like well you can be the king and it just then... says named high king of the noldor in middle earth okay. and so um, it's like, but who do you have to govern over? Like, yeah. <laughs> the sons of Feanor are probably not going to listen to you. And they're the only ones that are alive, so... And what are they doing? <laughs> like, they, they don't even have a place to stay. They're just, like, camping now, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do they have a town? They're just in the Vale of Syrian, just chilling. 
It's kind, of like, it's kind of like Thorin Oakenshield, I suppose, where he's like the king of these uh, group of dwarves and they don't have a kingdom and they're a just home, kind of, yeah. you know, mm. they're just kind of wandering around the place, uh, camping and just sort of nomads, <laughs> I suppose. So uh, maybe, I know we're going to see Gil-Galad in, this, in the upcoming series and what we've seen of him so far, he's all like dressed in gold, but maybe <laughs> uh, be- before that moment, he was just wearing rags and, you know, living in a tent. It's and, a rags uh, to riches story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One more time. Oh, wait, no, never mind. I thought Olmo came back to... Okay, never mind. Ignore what I said. Okay, so meanwhile, Olmo goes to Valinor and pleads with the Valar to help the elves and forgive them and rescue them from Morgoth. And I was just like applauding. And I was like, thank you, finally. Because this this whole time I'm like, okay, Valar, you need to come over here and deal with your brother. Like, you <laughs> yeah. guys actively... This is your mess. You just decided to ignore the problem. Like, it left your land and you just ignored it. Yeah, this this is your... Like, you're the only ones that have the power to deal with your brother. So you need to come and deal with him. Yeah, and like, all, all of them together was still a struggle to try and take on Morgoth. So, I mean, they should know that the people in the, the elves are not going to be able to handle no <laughs> Yeah, they're like, and they're just like, yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Let's see how this one plays out. But yeah. Manwe moved not. Yeah. And I was like, oh, come on, Manwe. <laughs> so lazy. Like. Do something. It says that he would not do anything until someone comes to speak on behalf of both elves and men. Mm, so specific. I know. And it's like, really, you're going to make them suffer just because he didn't mention the men, too? <laughs> like, yeah. it, although I have to say, it is interesting that Olmo, he says, like, oh, forgive the elves, come help the elves. But, like, Tuor is a man, and he was the one that he spoke to directly. So it is interesting that, like, he doesn't even, like, consider to mention them. But, yeah, it's like, really, Manwe, you're going to, like, punish them more just because Olmo forgot to mention men, too? Yeah. Like... Everyone over there, it, and then the dwarves, forget about it. <laughs> yeah. Y'all are screwed. So, and, and Harfoots, too. <laughs> They're around, right? <laughs> <laughs> and the Ents. Um, but you're yeah, part of this Ents. world. <laughs> yeah. But was he asking for forgiveness for the for the Oath of Feanor? Is that what he's... <laughs> and what are you sorry for? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it just says that he would not... Go and and help them until I think I think it, it's implying that until the sons of Feanor relinquish the Silmarils upon which they had laid their ruthless, ruthless claim, which obviously that's never going to happen. Manway did not move. Two, yeah, so he's just like mm, whatever. <laughs> Tuar grows in age, and he and Idril sail into the west. And I guess they make it to Valinor or something. Um, It just says, yeah, sail into the west and no more came into any tale or song. But in After Days, it was sung that Tuor alone of mortal men was numbered among the elder race and was joined with the Noldor whom he loved. And his fate is sundered from the fate of men. And and that is where the chapter ends. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) So we just never hear of Tuor again. 
And again, yeah. it's 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 sung that he probably made it. They're like, yeah, yeah, I reckon, I, I reckon he's over. I, I guess maybe <laughs> because Idril is an elf, maybe he gets a pass into into Valinor, maybe, <laughs> yeah. um, or into you know some of the maybe the shores nearby. You know, I don't know, but um, they probably- it's interesting that he's the only he's the only man that actually you know met Avala, and now he's the only man that was. Uh, counted among the the race of the Eldar and allowed into the Undying Land. So, um, yeah, he's got a lot of things on his uh, on his CV of like I'm number one, number one yes. in the chart of this. Yeah, <laughs> he's like Olmo came and spoke to me. Yeah, uh, yeah like under the accompl- accomplishments section yeah. or something. It's like I was given this cool cloak. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, it's like why didn't you put that cloak on when the attack was happening on Gondolin? Because it is supposed to hide you from your enemies. Did but, he even use oh, well. the cloak? Did it talk about him using the cloak at all? It, he uses it. He, he whips it off. Uh, oh yeah. He gets off to Gondolin. Yeah, and then he takes it off when he gets there. And Bit that's of a the Gandalf, only... Gandalf the Great, Gandalf yeah. the White. Yes, exactly. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That movie always makes me laugh so much because it's like, was he, is he not Gandalf the White if he like does it does it only work? Do his powers it doesn't only work, work if, if you're wearing this white? old rag? <laughs> <laughs> like is he not Gandalf the White if he is wearing purple or blue? <laughs> like does it must not- be some powerful old rag that managed to yeah. like you know hold in all that power, power. That he had. Yeah. <laughs> well that i mean it was a short chapter but it was an eventful chapter a lot of mm. important things happened and now there is only it's ex- it's really exciting for for me as i will be like a, a shout out to future me editing this episode <laughs> because that means that we'll be that much closer to rings of power we have one more chapter left to read and then we will take a hiatus from the Silmarillion to cover the show and then after the show the uh, first season is done we will come back and finish uh these these last two sections uh a Kalabeth and ironically the rings of power and the third age nice <laughs> yeah it's good timing yeah yeah great timing. <laughs> That like that's just exciting for a lot of reasons. I'm looking forward. I don't know about y'all. I'm looking forward to the show, whether it's bad or good. Yeah, same. Oh yeah, can't I, wait to see it. Like I think I think I've gotten over all the negativity that we've like from the very beginning Ugh. when the marketing started coming out. Uh, there was a lot of negative things, but I've just gotten over that already, and I'm like, I'm just ready for this show. Uh, give me the good, I, give me the bad. I really had to work past my feelings about Amazon and Jeffrey Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I just have to push it down yeah. for the sake of the show. But other than that. Once you can get yeah. over that, you can just sit back. Relax. I mean, we need to remember that Harvey Weinstein was involved in the creation of The Lord of the Rings. So That's I true. Mean, yeah. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Every time I see the credits, I'm like, <laughs> good things can come from you know the the wallet of a uh, horrible people so as long as <laughs> as long as jeffrey bezos isn't you know in there uh, like trying I think to that's the poll quote run, for the episode the <laughs> good things can come from the wallet of bad people <laughs> <laughs> there you go and i don't know yeah so uh, i'll make like i don't know a prediction heading into this last chapter i so now the like let's go back to the family tree of the the sons of um, 
not just the sons of Feanor, but like all the cousins and stuff. Everyone except for Galadriel is dead. <laughs> and all of the sons of Feanor are alive. And I am now led to believe I'm like, okay, well, there's got to be some kind of epic showdown where they're just all destroyed at once and taken <laughs> down. And also, I know that like Beleriand supposedly like falls just like falls into the sea and just like disappears and i'm like okay wow if that's maybe all maybe some of that will be happening in the last two sections akalabeth and of the um third age maybe some of those events will happen there but if not i was like wow there's a lot of of ground to cover in this last chapter like we've got all the sons of feanor and balerion is still floating so <laughs> still existing for now yes yeah there's a like there's yeah. there's a lot of potential of what could happen so i'm interested to see and i'm also excited to walk away from the silmarillion for a few months so <laughs> <laughs> well a lot of this stuff happens in the silmarillion book too have you not seen that <laughs> there's I... another the, the sequel <laughs> you didn't hear <laughs> the secret million <laughs> literally the sequelion. There was a <laughs> the sequelion. The sequel Millerillion. The Swick Millerillion. Yeah, yeah. You legitimately gave me a heart attack just now, where I was like, "You're kidding." There's oh, not. I was like, yeah. "You're joking, right?" There's not a second book, right? Surely I would have heard about the Silmarillion too. Written in too, too silly, too Marillion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Anyway. Thank you both for joining me. Where can people find you on the, on the internet? And what would you like to share with the audience? I'm Johnny and the other one is Dave and we are two brothers. And we are collectively known as the Melonheads. And we are the hosts of a Tolkien-based podcast called the Council of Elrond. So you can find that on Spotify and uh, all the other usual podcast places. And we've been doing that for... Uh, over a year and a half now uh, and we're also on youtube uh, so you can go there and see us in the flesh uh, hashing out our little tolkien uh, discussions and our youtube channel is called the the melon heads and that's melon with with two l's as it is as we said at the beginning melon, melon. melon. and yeah <laughs> and so that's uh, that's where our name comes from and it's quite a fitting name i think because it's tolkien at its core but it also sounds a bit silly and it's it doesn't take itself very seriously so i think that's kind of david 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 and my uh that's our strategy for our podcast we kind of we want to have a good deep discussion and to try and explain uh tolkien in in all sorts of different aspects whether that be the books movies we will of course cover the series that's coming up the rings of power but also we don't take ourselves too seriously and things that we spoke about earlier today like the pronunciation of is, is it ARN deal or is it whatever we're Wrong. not going to get hung, hung, hung up on those like, <laughs> details and things like that so yeah we yeah we try to just have have some fun and to try and uh, make Tolkien a bit more accessible to uh, to the general public out there kind of like so, this channel um, as well yeah, very similar. That's I suppose this word. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say yeah. if if uh, listeners, if you ever get tired of my American voice and you want some cooler <laughs> accents to listen to on a similar uh, 
entry Similar. point <laughs> into <Similarly>. Tolkien. <laughs> go, yes, go check them out. Um, all of that will be linked in the episode description, of course, as always. That's what I'm talking about as a proud member of WBNE. If you want to learn more about the network, you can go to WBNE.org. The cover art is by Vaishan Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at Vaishan Designs. If you would like to wear your support for this podcast or perhaps put a sticker on your laptop, are there any college students out there? Hey, college time is coming up. (laughs) That sounds so old. Show off your support for this podcast in the library and all your classes. Get a That's What I'm Talking About sticker, slap it on your laptop, and then that can be a great conversation starter. Meet new friends. They'll be like, oh my God, that's such a fun sticker. And then you can say, oh, well, it's a podcast. You should check it out. The host is really cool and definitely hip with all of the youths. You can follow the podcast on social media at Tolkien About Pod, and you can follow me on Twitter at MCWhatsUp and on Instagram at MCTurnDown for what. If you would like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash Pod, and you can become a sponsor of the podcast like Oivor. Oivor, thank you so much for your continued support of the podcast. Once again, I think it's really special when people choose to be an active participant in, in being positive towards creators and uplifting other people and showing that support. And I definitely do not take that for granted. So thank you, Oivor. I think I just saw seven swans flying over there. So... I know our time has come. So it's t- our <laughs> it's time, time to has leave. come. <laughs> That's how the man that moment just cracked me up. Just imagining like he, he just looks up at the sky, sees seven swans and goes, I guess I have to leave now. Like <laughs> Anyway, uh yeah, thank you again for coming on. Do you have any parting words for the audience? I love you. <laughs> I love you all. <laughs> I love each and every one of you. Get in touch with us, get in touch with Mary Clay as well and let us all know. What's your upcoming thoughts for the show is going to be because yeah. I'm feeling very excited about this now. It's all I can think about and we let's less than keep, a month left. Yeah, let's keep the positivity going as well. And let's, you know, if, even if we all crap. end up, even even if we all end up hating the series, <laughs> uh, let's just not get too hung up on it. And let's not try and like insult people online because uh, the Tolkien community has been a bit crazy online recently. And yeah. people are getting yeah. really angry and it's like, guys, just chill out the show isn't even out yet and people are uh you know cutting each other's throats so um yeah uh we're all here for the love of tolkien so uh let's keep it that way i suppose and whether or not the rings of powers is a success uh we're still gonna be able to enjoy the books and uh, the movies that are already out there and peace and love and all that and as they <laughs> said we love you all keep listening <laughs> and that's what i'm talking about <laughs>